This is IT Visionaries, your number one source for actionable insights and exclusive interviews with CIOs, CTOs, and CISOs, and many more. I'm your host, Albert Chow, a former CIO, former sales VP, and now podcast host. How do we get rid of all that noise? I have the machine tell us what's wrong with it. That's really where the innovation and where the idea came from. You just can't achieve the scale we have across all the equipment we have without making a major investment in technology to drive efficiency. Data center efficiency. How about office equipment efficiency? It's really not something people think about, at least not until something goes wrong. And then downtime slows productivity to a halt. On this episode of IT Visionaries, Michael Cantor, the CIO of Park Place Technologies, shares how his company optimizes all facets of data center management, office equipment management, basically anything that you need in your office or your infrastructure that needs service and upkeep. Park Place takes care of it. Find out how they do that from hardware to human capital. It's a huge problem. Give it a listen. My eyes were opened. Michael, welcome to the show. Thanks, Albert. Great to be here. Everyone wants to know now, what exactly is Park Place and what do you guys do? Yeah, so we've coined a particular acronym, DMSO. We're in the Discover, Monitor, Support, Optimize space. And, you know, if you look at traditional companies, you've heard of third-party maintenance. We certainly do that. That's the biggest portion of the business, providing warranty support for hardware that may be out of, out of warranty with an with a OEM and those sorts of things. But we also do monitoring and optimization using our Parkview products, uh, which provide hardware monitoring, software monitoring, OS monitoring, and disk monitoring. So just so we everyone understands, you guys service the equipment that companies have in their data centers? Or like, what kind of equipment are you monitoring? What kind of equipment are you overseeing? It's largely enterprise class equipment, big disk arrays, uh, servers, Cisco networking gear, not generally laptops, printers, that sort of thing. Got it. These are things that people generally don't know who their suppliers are. I would argue that most people don't know who monitors or over, you know, fixes their stuff in their house. You know, for someone who doesn't know this space very much, they might not be thinking too much about how it innovates, how it needs to keep moving forward and the progress that's happening in it. But I'm already hearing a couple problems. The first thing I hear is the sheer number of things you probably are overseeing at any given time and probably your clients need and their demand for you to be on top of it. Because I'm sure for these customers, if their equipment goes down, they expect you to fix it pretty quickly. Give us an idea of what it means to innovate in this space and like give us a, like, a, like a window into what the daily operation looks like. Sure. Yeah. It doesn't sound very exciting off the top of your head, right? It's, it's warranty work. But when you think about the scale we're at and what we're trying to do for our customers. So today, if you think about kind of a traditional arrangement, you've got your OEM, you're buying maintenance from them. You call them up, tell them you've got a problem. They work with you to try to figure out what the problem is, try to figure out how to dispatch the right part try to get somebody there at the same time. It's a probably an eight or 12 step process to try to figure out how to get somebody to your operation. So one of the innovative things we've done is we figured out how to monitor that equipment so it immediately reports a specific problem and the specific part that's needed to repair the problem. So instead of calling up on the phone and going back and forth and waiting on hold, we know what the problem is the minute it occurs and we dispatch somebody there. You don't even have to call or ask. Oh, so it's proactive. That's correct. So the way I always explain to someone who's not familiar with the, the major role, right? CTO, I would say, is often building outward-facing technology. CIO is often building inward-facing technology. 
it sounds like you would have to build quite a unique system to be able to oversee this much equipment. Talk about like the steps that you guys had to take in order to make this even feasible. Because when I think of the sheer number of hardware people possibly have in just one office building and the sheer lack of knowledge, that's another thing, the lack of knowledge. Because I think to my own office, of course, we work hybrid. We also have a HQ, but like when things go down, like the printer, the sound audio board, well, I mean, no one knows how to fix it. Like, like that's like, and I'm sure most of your clients are in that same boat. Give us an idea of what it took to, I guess, engineer a monitoring solution to oversee all this. Because if you're proactively dispatching people, that means you're really dialed into like the performance of this equipment. Right, right. And if you think about it globally too, it's massive amount of data streaming to us at all times. And, you know, some some equipment is just plain noisy, right? You may have something going on, and it will it will spew out, you know, 200 alerts that you have to deal with and figure out they're not all, you know, they're, they're all for the same problem. So we have technology in place that puts, you know, a monitoring uh, agent, not on every device, but just at one location that is polling across the devices in your organization. It's doing some filtering and basic data manipulation there so that the stream coming back to our central operations is minimized, collects that from all over the globe, brings it all back to a central place where we have machine learning in place that's monitoring those devices and highlighting the, the alerts that are important to us and important to our customers so that we can work on them proactively. So I'm assuming this is something you had to custom build. I mean, I, I can't imagine someone built this for you. It's multiple components. So there is uh, you know, some commercial software in use, but also our own central park layer that is translating these alerts and getting them over to our field service operations. So I would say it's a combo. You know, Certainly, if you look at IoT and those sorts of things, we're using some commercial off-the-shelf technology to, to achieve kind of that IoT data stream. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of just imagining the size, scope, and scale of what you're looking at. I'm trying to, fork, you know, give us an idea. What are some of like the biggest challenges you have in maintaining the system? Because off the top of my head, I feel like you mentioned up to 200 alerts for a single problem. Like the ability to diagnose between signal and noise has to be very challenging. What's the biggest challenge to maintaining this system? Because I'm still fascinated by the fact that it leads to a proactive, possibly service visit. Like that's, that's pretty darn crazy. Like if you can <laughs> catch that, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. The system itself works pretty well. It's designing for redundancy and scalability that has been the challenge for us. And so, you know, it takes a lot of, of monitoring capacity to manage all this. And we designed it for failover for redundancy. So putting all that together and having it work in a cohesive fashion to Make sure it's up all the time because it has to be up all the time, right? You can't, you can't miss some alerts uh, has been the biggest challenge across it because commercial software needs a little bit of an assist, I'll say, to you know, achieve that redundancy that we're looking for and to react properly and let us know if a component of the system goes down. And, you know, it's like any other piece of software. Things happen. Network changes occur. You know, a customer goes offline. We detect all that and let them, and let them know. But it, it took a good bit of custom code and some some significant architecture to put it all together. So for example, we used Azure uh, to, to put all this in the cloud because we felt like an on-prem environment for it uh, was not going to scale as fast and be as reactive as we needed it to be should an incident occur someplace. Yeah, I'm just I'm I'm still thinking about the the implementation of such a such a size and scale operation. You mentioned earlier how machine learning or artificial intelligence has helped you help the company significantly identify, you know, actual problems versus just signals and beeps that, you know, don't, don't actually amount to anything. Give us an idea of how that evolved because 
this is something that is, you know, obviously AI ML has relatively gotten, it's improved so much in the last few years, right? So I, I'm trying to figure out like, how'd you do this before? Like, <laughs> this, yeah. sounds, this sounds crazy. Yeah, I wouldn't say we're using the latest and greatest, you know, like a TensorFlow or something like that to try to figure it out. But we've trained the system in our own knowledge, right? Across all these pieces of equipment. We know certain pieces of equipment just generate certain types of alerts and we know that they're repetitive. So our own knowledge, you know, kind of goes into these rules engines that say, Hey, you know, if you see this again within five minutes, don't alert on that again. Just just tie it back to the original record. So there's a lot of that programming in place to recognize the variance across this wide breadth of equipment that we cover. And how do you organize your team to handle the changes that are happening? Because I'm sure companies keep upgrading, keep buying new equipment, keep buying different equipment, keep doing different installs to support like hybrid work models, uh, different IoT. You mentioned, you name it, someone's putting new stuff in, which means potentially you're getting new signals or different signals or things that you just haven't seen before. How do you view and what's your philosophy on building teams to keep up with this? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple angles to that. I mean, first, just from a company structure perspective, we're constantly monitoring the market and watching what's coming off of warranty and know what's entering the market. So we have a product management group that is tracking the market, understanding what's coming into market and helping feed the other groups to deal with it. Field engineers have to know how to repair that piece of equipment. Our software engineers may need to know how to log on to that equipment and, and take a look through the parameters around it. We have to write an agent for it. You know, what are the SNMP parameters it puts out? So there's a whole infrastructure that we have in place that drives that product management cycle. The second angle to our support is that it's not just you know, the product management group that's driving you know, proactive management. We have to constantly watch the gear that we're monitoring and learn from it. So we have a lot of logging that's going on a lot of troubleshooting that's going on on a daily basis to recognize, hey, there's something about this piece of equipment that we didn't recognize before that we need to address the rules base for. So there's this constant reading through the monitoring, extracting the value we can out of all these logs that that we're gathering and translating that into rules that we need to apply to the system. I'm thinking about the daily activities that are happening at this company, but I'm also thinking about how you have this really unique seat, meaning you have a lot of visibility into what is being adopted, what is being implemented, and what's being deprecated. Where do you see companies, where are they making new investments? Where have you seen a shift? Because, you know, we've kind of heard about this shift. You know, there's there's obviously been a major shift over the last two or three years to support hybrid or remote working. Has that actually translated to like equipment shifts that you're currently supporting? I'm assuming the answer is yes. And then after you give your answer, I'm also going to ask, what do you see coming down the pipe? (laughs) Yeah, we have seen shifts. You know, certainly cloud has played a big part in it. And we play a big part in people migrating to the cloud. I mean, you can't migrate to the cloud in one day, right? So you're going to keep that legacy equipment, probably want to fund that move to the cloud in some way, right? You're going to, you're going to look to cut costs someplace else so you can move costs towards implementing the cloud. We can help with that in terms of maintenance and helping optimize the workforce that the company has in place. So I'd say that's probably one of the biggest trends. Now, if you look at industry shipments, and we kind of watch those numbers all the time, they're pretty flat. It's not like they're declining, but they're not increasing either. So you know, definitely people are still implementing this gear. People need to keep it longer. Certainly sustainability initiatives are, are you know, helping people decide, hey, I don't really need to throw away that equipment. I should put some maintenance on it from a, from a different provider so that I can maintain it longer than the OEM would like us to maintain it. All those factors come into, we don't see a big decline in our current market, but we certainly, you know, help and can maintain and all the monitoring that I described can be done in the cloud too for cloud assets. 
How about the actual repair of things? Because I was thinking about, I worked at a networking company and you know our networking team could solve some networking and switch problems remotely. They could solve it via software. Can the modern problems be solved via software? I know there's certain things that you have to you know, physically go there and probably possibly serve it on a physical basis because you need a part or component. What percentage of the problems are now software-based versus uh, physical hardware-based? Yeah, I would say for us, it's still a lot of physical hardware. I mean, a failure in the equipment is what we're really looking for. Meaning an entire replacement of a piece of gear or, or part of a gear. Your software support still typically tends to fall to the OEM. Like if you have a problem with a Windows machine, and and something has gone wrong inside Windows and it's not letting people log on. Typically not a hardware sort of thing and typically not something we would deal with. Are you seeing things also that help you better serve in the field? Or are you seeing like different innovations, technological innovations, software-based innovations that are helping your field agents get better, faster, more accurate service? Yeah, definitely. I, I would say we haven't implemented it yet, but we're certainly looking at things like augmented reality. So you know, not everybody knows every piece of gear across the face of the earth, right? But their closest person to that you know, piece of gear that's malfunctioning may not have that expertise. So our, what we've been trying to figure out is how do we get somebody there who can tie back to the central, you know, whoever's got the most expertise and kind of walk them through it. Hey, don't touch that wire. <laughs> don't touch the red wire, touch the blue wire, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> Hopefully it never gets that intense. <laughs> yeah, and we believe that augmented reality will help with that. So there's... Certainly a whole set of things like that, you know, dispatch technologies, routing technologies. We have all those in place to make sure people, the right person's dispatched on the most, you know, on the best route, all those sorts of things. I think that's pretty typical today, but definitely some things coming down the pipe that we think will have an impact on our, on our field service. Yeah. I'm just thinking about how this is, this, your company is like half logistics company because you're sending field technicians to places like you just said all over the world. So you're part logistics company, but you're also a software company because you have to build your own monitoring systems to track all this stuff. And you're doing this all like, (laughs) obviously your customers know who you are. They need you, but like most of the market doesn't know who you are. How did you get into this space? Well, that was the whole thing, you know, and and the reason we coined the DMSO term, right? So we worked with Gartner because Gartner said, hey, this is is something we've never seen before. This is a new entry in a category that doesn't exist. And so what do we call this? And that's where DMSO came from. I mean, it really all built from, you know, just scaling up in the third-party maintenance arena, right? You know, we were looking for ways to become more efficient, and that grew into the monitoring. And so, you know, again, going back to the puzzle, hey, it takes 12 steps to figure out how to deliver a part and get the right part there and avoid all the mistakes that occur when somebody transposes a part number or reads it incorrectly over the phone. How do we get rid of all that noise and get it down to just tell us, you know, have the machine tell us what's wrong with it? That's really where the innovation came from and where the idea came from. You know, you just can't achieve the scale we have across all the equipment that we have without making a major investment in that sort of technology to drive efficiency. Okay, what you just said kind of scared me because uh, if, if for those listening who didn't quite pick that piece out, prior to having automation or some type of software level component that lets you know that what hardware has failed, you were dependent on somebody relaying their part number to you. That's right. Or model number of their v- the device. They'd be like, hey, this is an, a QX200. And you'd be like, oh, okay, this is the part. And it was wrong. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> that that absolutely occurs. I mean, you know, we, we don't have everybody on monitoring, right? Everybody's at different levels of comfort with that technology, different modes of operation. So we still have plenty of people calling support, you know, and tell us, hey, this machine has dumped this output to us. We say, send us the logs and 
we try to read through it. But you know, on occasion, somebody says, it's got a hard drive. That what size hard drive do you have in there? 120 gig. Send it out. Oh, wait a minute. No, it's, it's 200 gig. <laughs> yeah, I can see that happening a lot. Yeah. And all of this is around trying to make that more efficient and remove that. You know, and it, and it helps you for it helps the company from a person perspective too, right? Your team doesn't have to spend time walking up and down the aisles looking for things, dumping logs out, sending logs out, getting on the phone and waiting on hold for somebody. You know, it's all right there and ready to go. Your team is that much more efficient when when you have that monitoring in place and we're proactively fixing the equipment. Oh man, I always think how defensible companies are because uh, I used to read a lot of Warren Buffett and talk, you know he talks about moats and I'm thinking right now like man if you were to do this meaning if a new incumbent was to say I want to I want to p- compete with Park Place just the sheer number of parts and components you would have to ha- carry of stock and replenishment for is is pretty mind boggling because in the world of retail for example you can actually let's say centralized products, like you kind of know, for for example, Home Depot kind of knows that snow shovels aren't needed in Florida. So like snow shovels can be stored up there, but you're servicing who knows how much equipment all around the world. So are you in charge of building systems to track all the parts you need? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we use, we use off the shelf technology to do that too, but we have warehouse management systems. We have demand planning and replenishment systems, all looking at what's in use and what's needed and what's under contract to come up with the right parts in the right place at the right time. Yes, it is crazy to think that this, <laughs> what this entails. Yeah, well, I, I'd add, you know, just think about the years of experience, right? I mean, you can train yourself how to repair Dell equipment, but we've got people who've got years and years and years of experience who know every trick of the trade. And we've you know, encapsulated that in the systems where we can, that knowledge so that we're fixing the right thing at the right time. Oh uh, yeah, this is, this is fascinating stuff. For yourself, how did you get into this space? Uh, it's funny. I grew up a healthcare person, right? So I'll skip the whole kind of career background and say, just before I came to Park Place, I'd been in healthcare for 20 years, you know, something along those lines. Uh, and, you know, you, you create these networks and connections. And, you know, I had a CEO that I'd worked for at one time who said, hey, you know, Chris Adams is the CEO of Park Place was looking and said, hey, Chris, I know I know just the guy for you. And Chris just called me out of the blue one day. And, you know, I don't typically take those calls, but the network, you know, the other CEO called and said, hey, you should really listen to this guy. Uh, and I did. And, you know, again, I, I kind of walked in and had heard eh, third party maintenance sounds, you know, <laughs> sounds pretty mundane. Right. But then Chris explained the vision and, and what what he was attempting to accomplish. And I was like, I've never heard of this before. I think this is something different and I, I want in on that. So that's how I, that's how I got into it. I guess, how many customers did you serve when you first joined there? Um, we're looking at your LinkedIn right now. It looks like you joined uh, Park Place in 2018. Right. How many customers did you serve? Because right now it says in your LinkedIn slug that you guys serve 21,500 customers. Yeah, it's basically, you know, depending on what metric you look at, you know, revenue or customers, it's either doubled or tripled you know, during that period of time. It, it, if you look at the IT team, the IT team itself, when I when I got here, was 55 people. Now it's 125. And how about the equipment you support? Is it has it expanded or is it contracted? Have there been like players and equipment that have won market share and like kind of consolidated into like this is like yeah like phones right? Like the iPhone has kind of taken over, or that it's actually splintered. Like there's even more SKUs and things that you have to support. It's expanded. You know, as we've acquired other companies who had different capabilities and different expertise, our space has just expanded. And if you think about, it, I mean. We're maintaining some hardware that's 20, 30 years old. You think about all that history and the need to maintain it. You know, it's 
it will take a long time to, to leave, you know, even though there is consolidation in the industry, it will take a long time to remove uh, all that old hardware out of the industry and, and not require support for it. I don't know what the oldest piece of gear we, we, uh, we support is, but I certainly have been, it's interesting, we run big labs so that people have a chance to practice on these machines. And so we kind of have one of everything. <laughs> How do you get parts for something that's uh, 30, 35, maybe 40 years old? Our procurement supply chain guys are amazing. They, 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 have <laughs> they know when, when equipment's being decommissioned. We certainly have a professional services arm that helps with equipment decommissioning. And they're, they're watching for the right stuff at the right time. And it's pretty amazing. You walk in one of those things and you look at the kind of the museum collection that's in there sometime. I, I certainly know in our Westboro facility, there's a, it's not a PDP. It's, a, it's one of the open VMS servers, but the alpha servers sitting in there. And I've, I've always got my eye on that thing, you know, wondering when it, when, when its last day will be. Somebody out there still running, you know, deck alpha open VMS servers. I don't know what that is, but if you're, if you're, if you're surprised how old that is, then I'm trying to picture what, how old that is. Yeah, okay, so I'm giving, I'm giving away my age a little bit, I suppose. Those were really cool back in my day. <laughs> oh, man. Michael, man, it was awesome having you on the show and kind of sharing this world of DMSO is the official, I guess, category name now that the market or industry has now named it. Like you said, it's one of those industries that now that we hear it, and of course the audience hears this episode, they're going to obviously recognize that this is necessary, right? Who is going to maintain all this equipment? We have facilities management for just about everything. Our computers, our gear. It's not something like what I've really even thought about. I just, uh, you know, like, it would. I mean, it makes total sense now that I'm, here, I'm hearing it from you. I, was, I don't even know why. I guess we just assumed it was more like our general appliances. You just call the appliance repair guy or the manufacturer, the OEM. They would come fix it. But it sounds like that's not that's not a good process at all because of the fact that you can't have downtime. It was awesome having you on the show, man. I really appreciate you kind of sharing what the company does and uh, yeah, giving us insight into this industry. Yeah, no, very happy to do it. And, and like I say, it turns out to be much more exciting than it sounds on the outside. No doubt about it. Well, Mike, it is time for the lightning round. The lightning round is brought to us by Salesforce Platform. The Salesforce Platform is the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Mike, this is where we ask you questions outside of the world of work so our audience can get to know you a little bit better. Are you ready? Fire away. All right. What is the most difficult IT problem you think you've had to solve in your career? It's all in healthcare. Healthcare is amazingly complex. And so there's all these little variations to it. So I was among the first to auto-adjudicate claims. And you think that sounds pretty boring too, but you know, applying technology to figure out how to automatically process a claim and come to a decision, you know, I was in the middle of all that. And that was a tough problem to solve. Growing up or your professional career, did you ever have a mentor that really changed your trajectory of your uh, career? Yeah, there's really been lots of inflection points. I would say, you know, on the, on the road to CIO, I, I would name a good friend of mine, Ashok Sudarshan. He started IT as kind of a, what's the best way to put it, a, kind of a nerd leader, right? And you don't realize all the kind of human touch that's necessary for it. And so, you know, I was on the path of, hey, I, you know, I started out as a developer, you know, and had gone through the ranks and didn't really understand kind of the human side of it. Ashok really you know, taught me that and has made a big difference in the way I operate. That's awesome. What do you like to do outside of work? My wife and I are huge hikers. Kids are grown and out of the house and we're just all over the world hiking wherever we can find a spot. When you say hiking, what kind of hikes are we doing? Are we talking about mountains? Are we talking about rivers and forests? Where are you hiking? Uh, typically mountains, you know, distance, not height. 
right? So trying to get in 10, 10 miles, that sort of thing. Have you ever come across a mountain lion? I have not, but we're from Arizona. So we've come across plenty of rattlesnakes. No, dude. Those are in my book, <laughs> less pleasant. <laughs> oh, man. I don't like snakes. <laughs> you definitely don't like them rattling at you from, from a foot away. <laughs> well, Mike, man, I appreciate you joining us today on IT Visionaries. Thanks for sharing what you do at Park Place Technologies. Thanks for sharing your love of hiking. And uh, you kind of hit a sore subject that many of our CIO, CTO friends from the medical field have talked about, which is the, the challenges that are in that field. So not a surprise that you served in that field. And that's where the hardest problems are <laughs> existed. Well, you're welcome. Pleasure talking to you. Awesome. Thanks for joining us today on IT Visionaries. Mm-hmm.